Welcome to Business Launch Prep School Podcast. Rolanda is so loving that she, you know, she just embraced you and say, okay, well, what else do you need? How can I help you? A podcast for new women coaches seeking to create God-driven coaching practices from scratch. Because you provide such good service to us as a coach and a teacher and a mentor. Each week, best practices and actionable advice is delivered. Join the program while you have accountability. That is very encouraging for me. Here's your host, Rolanda Sumner, the creator of Business Launch Prep School. In this episode, I talk to you about revenue resources or revenue sources that you can utilize while you are still trying to get your coaching practice up and running. At first, it could be a little daunting getting new clients into your program, especially if it's a high ticket program and you're really iffy about your prices or you're nervous, but you still want to make money through your practice and you still want to coach. You might be eager to leave the nine to five and you just don't know what to do, here are some options, okay? You can be an enrollment coach for a larger practice. There are a lot of practices out here, like Lisa Nichols, uh, Gina DeVee, Amanda Abella, um, Ted McGrath. There's just a litany of larger practices out here that ha- need enrollment coaches. And basically when a, an enrollment coach is, is a coach that does sales. These are tough roles to have, but they're awesome for new coaches because one, you get the opportunity to of racking up coaching hours and two, you get to learn how to sell. And that's what you need to do. You need to practice, 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 practice on sales. Absolutely need to practice your sales acumen and get comfortable with the steps in sales. And this is a great way to make money. So the first few calls in your sales career might be a little rough, but they provide training every step of the way because it benefits them. And I'm talking about the larger companies that enroll, I mean, hire somebody for sales. Now, the beauty about being an enrollment coach is the first part of any sales, regardless if you're an enrollment coach or not, is coaching. You need to coach the lead and learn about what they need help with, what they're they're missing, um, and how you can help them. And the best way to earn trust is through acknowledgement and validating. So when that happens, um, so when that happens, it makes getting the sale easier. Now, again, you're going to get training. So it's not like you're left out alone, but a lot of times they pay great commission. They have high standards. So you're going to be doing a lot of sales calls, but they have great commission and it, it affords you the ability to make some really good money. If you can swing both your full-time job and that, that's great. Other times you might have to just do that full time. But if you find yourself without a job, this is a great way to go. 
Where you can find these opportunities are in regular job searches. Go on LinkedIn. Um, you can go in Indeed. Any job board out there, any national job board out there, and look up enrollment coach or sales coach. And these are great ways to earn some income. You can become a sales representative. And it's not going to say enrollment coach, but the, the, the premise is the same, that you coach somebody at first to find out what they need and what they want, and then you close them. Basically, that's all sales is. So you get a regular sales role, whether it be inbound, outbound, whatever the case may be, and you get to practice those sales skills. Okay. Plus, if you get halfway decent with sales, you can make a lot of money. Many of these companies want a 1099 salesperson, someone they can subcontract, and um, some of them offer really flexible hours, but it might be a good transition between working your regular nine to five and being a full-time coach on your own terms. Which brings me to the next one. You can just be a regular coach for a company. Um, and again, you'll look up these positions and I, I mean, you can look up these positions in Indeed or LinkedIn. You can also, um, if you are a member of a board, you're accredited, you can um, place your name in their directory. Like I'm in the International Coaching Federation directory because I'm an accredited um, credential coach through ICF. So oftentimes I get phone calls from companies who want to work with me either just as a coach or as a sales coach. Um, and again, these are great opportunities for you to bring revenue into your business as a 1099 and coach on your own terms. The next one is corporate coaching. Now, corporate coaching have has longer sales cycles, but it's very lucrative once you get started. So be prepared to go the long haul. Make sure you have some money saved up to help you while you are wooing your corporate clients. But the easiest way to get into corporate coaching is through friendships, networks, relationships, and recommendations. And just keep making those um, relationships and keep making those relationships and impressing on people that you are a coach and that you can help their people, you can help their company save tens of thousands of dollars by helping their people in their performance, in their mindset, how they think. One of the ways you can get into coaching, say you are looking for a Fortune 500, you're having a hard problem, go to your local government. Go to your local government. And oftentimes when you go to your local government, it might be easier to start a relationship at that level. Say your school department, um, the library, somewhere in your local government, um, on the county level, level or in the town level, and you start a relationship at that level and try to either become a part-time employee or a subcontractor. 
oftentimes uh, school districts will need someone for their induction teachers or their first year teachers. They need somebody to help them come along and they're looking for resources. They might look for resources, um, just word of mouth, but I would just go into the, the um, district office and say, hey, my name is, and I am a certified coach, and I would like to help your organization, your staff specifically, and their mindset and coaching them to have more professional, um, be more professional and have better performance. So think of those avenues. Think outside of the box, but also think of those avenues. What other ways you can, can you get into these companies that may not be on a large scale, but might just get you in the door and then you can grow from there? Then you want to look back at your coaching schools, wherever you got certified, reach back to them and see if they have a referral system where either you can refer clients to them, regardless if it's, um, you know, students and earn some money that way, or if they can refer clients to you. Some schools also have an active coaching community. They have an active coaching community where people pay to get coaching through them. So if you contact your school, they might add you on the roster of coaches that are hired or subcontracted to help their clients or to help their students. Regardless of where you find these coaching positions, you need to be persistent and you need to be willing to look outside of the box. A lot of times, some of the opportunities to be a coach are not blatantly in your face. So you need to be open to opportunities. Talk to your other coaching friends. If you're in coaching business groups, ask them, hey, do you know of any coaches who need assistance, who need enrollment coaches, who need regular coaches? Um, ask people about their coaches. Does your coach need some assistance? And be clear that you're not looking to coach their coach because most likely they have a coach who's at a higher level, but they might need a junior coach or someone to come in and help them with the coaching. Okay. So those are some of the things that you can do to bring in revenue into your business. Now, let me explain what a W-2, the difference between a W-2 and a 1099. A W-2 employee is a person who is a traditional employee. Their boss can tell them what to say, what to do, what to wear, what time to show up and how to perform. Okay. You are an essentially, you are the textbook version of an employee, which is probably what you are right now at your nine to five. And it's more restricted. A 1099 is a contractor, a subcontractor. A company or a person, someone, a business will hire a subcontractor for a specific task. Now, this is the key between an employee and a 1099. Generally, with a 1099, they are doing tasks that the regular 9 to 5 crew cannot do or are not hired to do. So they are you know, 1099s are hired to do tasks that employees are not hired to do. 
um, they are they have more freedom as long as they get the job done by the deadline with the tools that at their disposal they it's their business some companies will say we're not hiring your company we're hiring you okay whatever you give them your social security number on your w-9 you could still take that revenue that you earned from that company and put it back into your business. Now you need to get one with an accountant and a bookkeeper for that. Okay. You need to get with an accountant and a bookkeeper so they can show you how to do that correctly. But that those funds that you earn as a W9 or a 1099 subcontractor are used for your business. That's revenue that you generate you can generate through your business. Okay. So regardless if they're like, we're not hiring your company, we're hiring you. Guess what? That's revenue for your business. The beautiful thing about a 1099 is you have freedom. You have freedom for the most part. You have freedom of when you work, how you work, as long as you get that job done. There is freedom. Okay. The drawback is you have to make sure you put aside your own taxes so that when quarterly tax time comes, you can pay those taxes. That is not the worst part though. Like that, that's not bad. In a nine to five, they take the taxes out for you. And then when you file your year annual taxes, then you just do the report or you do your file, you file your taxes. But as a 1099, you're a subcontractor. You have to do your own taxes. You have to separate your own taxes. A general rule is about 15% of every dollar that comes in should be set aside in a bank account. I would definitely sit down and read Profit First by Mike Michalowicz because he breaks it down to you and he shows you how to provide, like pay yourself even in the beginning days set aside money for profit, put aside money for operating expenses and put aside money for taxes. The book is called Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. At the end of the day though, you can look for a lot of these opportunities on any uh, job, national job site like LinkedIn, Monster, Indeed, those types of job sites. Um, Make your keyword coach, keyword coach. Be very careful of opportunities that want you to pay to work for them. Um, they want you to pay to participate or pay to play. Those may not be the opportunities for you. Okay. You might want to stick with the opportunities where they pay you for work being done and you don't have to pay to play just give you a heads up on that one. Um, those pay to play opportunities are franchises. And unless you want to be a part of a franchise, you have the money for a franchise and you're willing to build someone else's brand, that may not be the opportunity for you. So if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to leave a voice message for me or feel free to leave a comment below. Thanks for listening to the Business Launch Prep School podcast. Be sure to join the women starting new coaching businesses 
Facebook group to access weekly free training and more. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn and hashtag BLPS.